Welcome to Second Wind with Joyce Buford, a program for and about women. Joyce Buford is a certified coach who has a passion for helping women who need a second wind. Joyce is the creator of Uncover Your Hidden Genius, a program that will help you live a life of greater purpose, fulfillment, and ease. As a certified coach, she studied directly with her mentor, Jack Canfield, author of the Chicken Soup book series, where she served as an assistant to his training program. Through her study with many prestigious coaches and mentors, she has created a powerful program that has positively impacted hundreds of people. On today's program, Joyce and her guest will help you learn how to get your second wind. Now here's our host, Joyce Buford. Good morning. I'm so pleased that you're here with us today. We have such an interesting guest and a great show. This is a show that talks about stress. This is a show that talks, which our guest is going to talk about today, but this is a show that talks about situations that transpire in our lives, transitions that we go through, which we either self-expose ourselves to or actually live through the stress that comes with those changes to our lives. So, you know, when we can learn of a way to understand why we experience that stress, how that stress um, it plays out in our lives, then that's really important for us and can help us get through and minimize this, the frustrations that we experience. I want to share with you today that one of the transitions that we go through in life, and I don't know anybody that misses this one, it's when we take care of our parents in their later years. I personally am going through that transition right now, and it's one that I was totally caught off guard into the impact of when I needed to make the transition because it's such a trans, it's such a progressive um level of need that you have to give back to your parents. As they become more needy, you become the caretaker, your roles change, the, you become the decision maker. All of those are areas where we can really start to feel the stress build up in our lives. So when it happened to me, and I'm in the process of moving, my mother, who I'm the sole provider for, I was suddenly overwhelmed, and I was totally caught off guard. So, with that information, I turned to and happened to know our guest today. And he had wonderful information for me, and I know him through a program that we are both in. And so it was just wonderful to have his resources. But Dr. Rich Blana is a world-renowned expert in understanding how the mind and body work together in creating and managing stress. For over 25 years, he has devoted himself to helping people, just like you and me, stress less and live more. As a coach, a counselor, and health education specialist, he uses the best practices from each of these disciplines to help make people manage their stress. 
He is a noted writer and trader, trainer in the area of acceptance and commitment therapy, which I hope he'll uh, share with us today, an approach that helps people become more psychologically flexible and stress-resistant. Dr. Rich is also certified in Nikon and Morita, Morita, two forms of Japanese psychology that emphasize mindfulness and acceptance training, respectively. Both emphasize becoming more mindful of stressful thinking and becoming and redirecting the mind instead toward helpful actions. Dr. Rich as we will address him today through throughout the program, combines ACT, Nikon, Morita, with classic relaxation strategies, such as breathing and visualization, to help people stress less and live more. Now, I also like to share a little bit about the personal side of our guests, as you all know, because we all do have that personal side. You've just heard of his accomplishments and achievements, but he is he lives on Marco Island in Florida, where he and his wife, Heidi, and their Shih Tzu dog, Adis, live. Personally interests, he is athletic all the way. Tennis, running, kayaking, swimming, biking, weight training, meditation on the beach. Doesn't that sound great? And anything that gets him outdoors and in the sun. He also likes to read, cook, travel, and play bridge. Wow. Okay, when is your downtime other than the meditation, Dr. Rich? (laughs) (laughs) All of those things are my downtime. My my play is my downtime. Um, So I I kind of combine them all. And I don't know, I guess the the greatest downtime is is just reading. I love to read. I end every day uh, by reading for an hour or so in bed. And Mm -hmm. I just find that the perfect way to wind down. Mm. And and do when you say read, do you read educational, um, just pleasure reading? Do you? Well, I read a little. I read a little bit of everything. Um, yeah. You know, for the past thirty years of my life, my job was to you know read journals and research and and things like that. But I've always been an avid fiction reader. I love a good murder mystery. I love an espionage book. So mm-hmm. you'll catch me either reading the latest John Sanford novel or something about meditation, it, you know, from Thich Nhat Hanh. So it's a right. pretty wide range of reading material on my bedside. Yeah. Oh, well, you know, I, I told my little story about stress. And I, a lot of us have... Um, different definitions for stress. I mean, um, what I think is stress is not always what my friend thinks is stress. So can you give us a definition of what stress is? Sure. And and actually, when I wrote my first textbook about 25 years ago, that was something that I really found was depending on what literature you went to, everybody defines stress differently. So Here's, here's a working definition that I think everyone can use. Stress is a combination of three things. Mm-hmm. A potential stressor, what your mind tells you about the threat and your ability to cope with it that's involved with that potential stressor, 
and then a stress response that kicks in if you feel threatened and unable to cope. And let me give you an example of that as a working definition. And it's funny, you should talk about your mom. I went through the same issue with both my mom and dad. And mm-hmm. here's, here's how that would play out using my working definition. So the potential stressor could be your aging mom's need to go either to an assisted living or nursing home. Yes. So that's the potential stressor. Now, what is your mind, and I'm not speaking directly about your mind, but if that was your situation and your potential stressor, your mind could say things like, oh, she's dying, you know, mm-hmm. that, that's such a shame. Or your mind could say she should, she should be able to stay in her own home. Or your mind could say, what a terrible daughter I am for not doing more for her. Or your mm-hmm. mind could then say, oh, I can't deal with this. I can't cope. I got my own life. How can I manage that? Right. So the potential stressor is this objective thing that you have an aging mother who now needs to transition out of her home and somewhere else. What your mind tells you about the threat involved in that and your ability to cope with it or not cope with it, that actually turns a switch in your brain. And if that switch says, oh, my God, this is too much of a threat, I can't handle it, mm-hmm. then instantly your brain sends out these messages, both hormones and nerve transmissions that create a massive amount of mobilization of energy. And basically what it's all about, it's mobilization of energy to fight or flee. Everybody's heard of the fight or flight response. And really really what that is, it's a response to threat. Mm -hmm. And if you think about this, Joyce, a thousand years ago when our cave, you know, mothers and fathers were stalking the savanna with their sharpened sticks, you know, way before they had steel and flint, and they're tracking these tracks, and all of a sudden they get behind this big boulder, and there's a saber-toothed tiger crouched and ready to pounce on them. <laughs> well, guess what happened? Their brain instantly says, oh, my God, this is a threat. I got to either get the hell out of there or kill this beast. Right. So fight or flee. And in order to do that, you need to completely shut down everything but what is necessary to either kill that saber-toothed tiger or run away from it. Now, that same response is with us today. And that same response gets triggered when the threat is, oh, my God, my mom's, you know, needs to go into a nursing home and I can't handle it. Well, guess what? Your brain reacts to that threat the same way your cave, you know, mother and cave father reacted to the threat of the saber-toothed tiger. So the good news is we've got this incredibly powerful stress response that can save our life. The bad news is it can get triggered by things that are a lot less threatening than saber-toothed tigers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, yeah. And the and what it did to my body was I just totally shut down. There was sure. one day I just kind of went. Well, it's like it yeah. sank, and it was well, just so unexpected. I mean, I was like, yeah. whoa, where it, am it's I? Inter- it's really one of the most interesting things about the stress response is we all go through the same things beneath the surface. For example, our muscles, even our smooth muscles of our stomach, our intestines, our organs, our cardiac muscle, our heart muscle, and all of our skeletal muscles, they all contract. We get hormones dumped into circulation. We get increased blood pressure. We get increased respiration. So beneath the surface, all those things are the same. But you know what's really fascinating is the stuff that we're aware of is very different. Some Mm. people are uh, more emotional. When they get stressed, they just have this emotional outpouring of, you know, fear, worry, anxiety. Other people 
are more muscular. They get a lot of muscle tension. And still yet other people get gastrointestinal stuff. They get either, you know, they they get diarrhea or constipation. So it's so interesting that we all have this unique uh, perception of what's going on during our stress. Right. Well, we're going to go shortly to a break, but that's a good short summary of stress because it's so different and it seems so strange. So when we come back, we're going to understand and talk more about stress. Transformational coach, motivational speaker, and author, Joyce Buford returns after this short break. Would you like to know how to bring more ease to all the decisions you need to make in life? Knowing your core values is the first step in Joyce's free live masterclass. You'll discover your top five core values in as little as 45 minutes. Join her now at freegiftfromjoyce.com. Cuisines and Sacred Rituals is a quest, a place, and a feast. Join host Vilasi Venkatachalam every week to explore myths, mystique, old medicine, and brilliant modern solutions through a dazzling kaleidoscope of cuisines, cultures, and cures. This is the place where tribes gather, strangers and familiars, to be memory keepers and makers of our evolving, enduring, evergreen, spoken legacy of wisdom and ingenuity. In Velocity's words, when we do old things in new ways and new things in old ways, we paint with an inspired palette, weave our own healing traditions, and become our own guru. Velocity is a troubadour of secret cuisines and sacred rituals. She collects stories of wisdom, ingenuity, and grit. She believes wellness and transformation happen when you stand at the threshold of delight and discovery. She displays her hidden penchant for drama when she leads the safari at the supper club. Her favorite pastime is to extol the marvels of cuisines, cultures, and cures to her audience in workplaces, seminars, and salons. Her mantra is, be your own guru. She is a biochemist, botanist, and alchemist who likes to churn delightful, useful things from a brew of art and science, ancient and evolving, old medicine, and new cures. Join Velocity every Friday at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, only here on the WooHoo Radio Network. Welcome back to this segment of Second Wind. Joyce Buford, the creator of Uncover Your Hidden Genius, continues in this segment to share insight that will help you live a life of greater purpose, fulfillment, and ease. Now here's our host, author, and coach, Joyce Buford. We are talking today with Dr. Rich Blana, who is helping us understand how the mind and body work together in creating and managing the stress that we experience in our lives. Anytime we go through major change, we're going to get some stress. And it's also unique to us. It's it's pretty general, but yet it's unique to us in the way that we handle it and how it appears in our body. And Dr. Rich has shared with us the information about how we respond and where we can feel it physically in our body. So, Dr. Rich, I'm going to go on to ask about why do we have stress? I mean, we know the fight or flight, but but 
how do the values that we choose, and some of my audience may not know about values, what they are. So you might just want to touch on those a bit. Okay. So I really was drawn to your work, Joyce, because I know you're very, very concerned about values, and they're really important in your teaching and your coaching. And I I think of values as central to who we are as people. I think your values really define your personality and really shape your behavior. Mm-hmm. And I, I kind of like to look at values as signposts. You know, we have this journey in life. Some of us are very clear about the journey. Others are not. But I like to think of our values as the signposts that guide us through the journey of our life. Mm-hmm. And I also, because of that and because I think values are kind of central to who we are as people, they also form or should form the basis for our goals. So the way I see it in my mind is that we have these values and they're essential to who we are as people. And they're so important to us that we try and shape our behavior to reflect those values. So if, if you value kindness, you, you try and be kind as a person. If you value honesty, you try and be honest as a person. Mm-hmm. And if you value the arts, you try and, you know, create a lifestyle that gives you more access to the arts. Maybe you even choose a major in college that relates to the arts. Maybe your first job is something that relates to the arts. So I like to think of clarifying our values and really being sure of them is the first step. And it's for me, whenever I work with clients or students, that's the first thing we do because Before we can really understand what's threatening your values, we really need to understand what values are. And, you know, and once you clarify your values, then they should be the basis of any goals you set, whether they're professional goals, whether they're career goals, or even whether they're personal goals. Uh Let me give you an example. I'm kind of jumping because I was going to talk about goals a little later, but let me just give you an example. To me, it's always my wife and I, it's always been our dream, and we've always loved the beach. We Uh just value being on the beach because of its connection to nature. We love the water. We love just beachcombing and walking on the shore, hearing the birds or whatever. So we we both, as a couple, valued the beach. Uh We also value outdoor activity, being able to walk, play tennis, swim, things like that. So... As we went through our life, we always had a series of five-year plans, and every five years we would kind of reevaluate. And one of our long-term goals was always to retire to to a beach somewhere. Uh And it originally was the Jersey Shore, and then as we got closer to realizing that that was very expensive and, and it was cold most of the year, we'd only get four months of beach time, we started to reevaluate our goal of retiring to a beach and started to move further and further south, looking at different states and beaches. And, right. and ultimately, we wound up coming down to Marco Island and seeing that it was warm 12 months a year, had a beautiful beach, uh-huh. and we just, just so happened to hit it at a time in 2011 when real estate was at the absolute lowest bottom-out prices, and we just decided to grab a little piece of paradise (laughs) and and bought a small condo and and kind of realized the 25-year dream of of getting to the beach. So that's kind of Mm -hmm. what I mean about 
you know, understanding what's important to you and if you're part of a couple, understanding as a couple what you really value most in your life, and then kind of planning a series, a succession of goals to kind of eventually get get you to that right. dream that you value. Does right. that make sense? Yeah. So that explains that accent that you have is not exactly a Florida accent. It's oh, no, it's a Joyzy accent. Joyzy <laughs> accent. I'm a Joyzy guy. <laughs> Well, you know, we all have values. We grow up with values, whether we get them through our families or we, and as we age and grow as adults, we change change our values sometimes, some bit. Would you agree? Oh, absolutely. I I have this diagram in my textbook, and it looks like a a planetary model. It's got a big planet in the middle, and then Mm -hmm. circulating around it are small planets, and I call Mm -hmm. it your core and your satellite values. And I think Mm -hmm. your core values are the things that really, really represent the deepest parts of your personality. And then I think your satellite values are things that float around and are more likely to shift. So let's say you have a core value of honesty and, and, uh, you know, and being fair. And, and, you know, whatever you do, however you live your life, you just don't want to compromise on that. So when you're put into a, a situation where you're asked to behave in a dishonest fashion, it really is stressful because that's a conflict with a core value. Mm-hmm. Whereas a satellite value might be a cultural uh, aspect. You might value of the opera. And then you find out as you age, you value the opera less. It becomes less important. So, so the weight that that value holds for you is less. And that's why I think that, to me, the part I get from Japanese psychology and Buddhism is, you know, Mm -hmm. we're like a tree, and and our our tree has deep roots, and those are our core values. And then the branches in our tree that are subject to the wind, they blow and they bend and they're flexible Mm. and they give and they take. And, and I like to think of that part of our tree as maybe our satellite values, the things that are less right. important, you know? Right. Yeah. Well, it's really important then. I'm getting and believe that your mate who you choose to live with and is stronger meeting your core values. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. I'm not a marriage therapist because there are lots of things that go into successful marriages and relationships. But I really believe that if people don't share the same core values, then their relationship is going to be harder than, than, you know, people who have a relationship based on shared values. Like my wife and I differ so much on those satellite values. I mean, politically and and culturally, you know, and we have very different kinds of views, but, you know, at our core, we both view money the same way. We both Mm -hmm. view honesty the same way. Uh, I love my wife because she is the most honest and simple person I've ever met. She just Mm -hmm. doesn't put up with a lot of crap. She doesn't suffer fools very well. And she'll let you know what's on her mind. And, and I, I, I always have valued that. And she values hard work like I do. She's not afraid yeah. to, to work hard to achieve what she wants. Right. Yeah. That sounds beautiful. I like those. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, thank you. I like it. So when, we, when we're not living our core values, now we can, eat, we can, as you say, the satellite values are more flexible, easier mm-hmm to uh, work with, but when we're not, then that 
that brings up stress. Now, the stress that we how do how does that happen? Why does that happen? Okay. All right, so, so let's start from the, the common thread that our values represent who we are as people at the deepest level. So when you think about that and you remember my definition of a potential stressor, anything that's potentially threatening and then therefore we feel we can't cope with that threat creates stress. So let's look at a values conflict. I was in a very young part of my life, I had a job where I was asked to do something that was was dishonest. I had a job where I had a travel voucher and and my first month on the job I submitted a travel voucher that was honestly based on how many miles I drove and I was told by my boss don't submit this voucher I said why and he said because it's not big enough and I said what do you mean it's not big enough this is how many miles I drove and he said well if you do this you're going to piss off everybody else because they all ask for twice that much every month well, and I said, well, I, I said, so you're asking me to lie, and, and he just said, well, I'll, I'll leave it up to you. And, and I, I came home with my wife, and I said, I, I'm in trouble. I said, I can't do this. Uh-huh. So I spoke to my accountant, and I said, listen, do I have any any legal way out here? And he said, yeah, just don't accept the travel money and, you know, depreciate your car as honestly as you, at, at the end of the year, you know, the wear and tear, and the government allows you to do that. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. So I said, fine. And And I was so stressed out by having to, to behave in a way that was so dishonest that I, I just, you know, I was torn apart inside. So right. I, I think that's an example of how something, if you have a really core value and you're put in a situation that threatens it, remember, threat, and you're telling yourself, I can't cope with the threat, then boom, you're, you're into a stress response. So that's the clearest example I can give. Uh-huh. Yeah, uh, that was very clever for you to try to figure out another way. <laughs> like yes. Creative coping, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yes. Most of us might have handled it different. I mean, all of us would have handled it in different ways. Mm-hmm. Uh, some of us would have gone ahead and done it and then right. had that added stress of realizing that we were in conflict with who we really were so mm-hmm. that's that's even worse um yeah. way to be living so um we have just a short time before we go to the a break but okay. um when you have um this stress that comes up what are some of the well, we only have about a minute. But when we come back, I want to talk about some of the signs that we can actually um, start to realize we're not in alignment with our values. So we, the stress is caused because of that. Are there signs? Sure. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. All right. So when we come back, Dr. Rich will help us understand the stress, what causes it, and in understand the importance of using the values to live our life as our guides. Those are our guides. Using those guides, then we can live a life that is less stress. He's also going to share with us his book and how you can take this as your um, Bible, if you want to say, to help you move through stressful living. Transformational coach, motivational speaker, and author, Joyce Buford returns after this short break.
close your eyes and imagine living your life without limits. Where would you go? Who would you meet? What would you do? During an Uncover Your Hidden Genius session, you will discover what's keeping you from living your life with purpose, passion, and fulfillment of your potential. You'll get a clear vision of the steps you need to take to uncover your hidden genius so that you can live a life without limits. Sessions can be done over the phone, Skype, or in person. Find out more at www.JoyceBufordEmpowers.com or by calling 903-287-0747. It's Marching Do you like fair food? You know, loverwort, such as corn dogs, funnel cakes, and anything else you could put in a deep fryer. Loverwort is another word for a food that has no nutritional value. This year, I went to the Texas State Fair, where they were serving up fried King Ranch casserole, fried Thanksgiving dinner, and fried Nutella. The California State Fair boasts fried Krispy Kreme chicken sandwiches. What's a word for a person who loves a certain type of food to the point of madness? An opsomaniac. At the Iowa State Fair, you can enjoy a hot beef sundae. That's a big scoop of mashed potatoes over roast beef covered with gravy, sprinkled with cheddar cheese, and garnished with a cherry tomato to look like a sundae. What's another word for messy food? My wallet. I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words you never heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. Welcome back to this segment of Second Wind. Joyce Buford, the creator of Uncover Your Hidden Genius, continues in this segment to share insight that will help you live a life of greater purpose, fulfillment, and ease. Now here's our host, author and coach, Joyce Buford. Dr. Rich and I have been talking about values, values that guide our lives. They are our road markers, if you would like to say. Um, We all have values. They come from families, living with families. And then we sort of tweak them a bit as we become adults. But we basically will grow up with um, uh, values such as honor, family. Those would be typical values. The thing of it is, most of us don't sit down and actually say, this is what I believe. And so this is what Dr. Blana's work has provided us with, is a formula to do that so that we can better understand ourselves in understanding ourselves, then we can live a life with less stress. Now, Dr. Rich, I had asked you before break if you'd tell us what some of the signs, when we're off our path, when we've sort of slipped off by a shiny nickel or somebody's gotten our attention and pulled us away or tempted us and we've slipped and we're not living our values. What are some of the signs that we can realize that are stressing us? Okay. Well, there's two different parts of the stress response. You know, that whole mobilization of energy to fight or flee. Well, basically what that results in, if you successfully either fight off a stressor or run away from it, is all that energy that you mobilize will eventually just dissipate by itself after, you know, 24 hours of rest. So if you went home and you took a nap, got a normal night's sleep, by the next day, the only uh, outcome of that short-term acute stress response is you just be a little tired. 
Mm-hmm. If you have chronic stress, though, let's look at a stressor that's ongoing. So okay. let's say, you know, short-term stressor was you got a bill, you really got annoyed, you didn't think you could cope with it, but you wrote a check and you paid it, and after a day it went away. Well, now mm-hmm. let's look at something like your mom got sick, and mm-hmm. she's very sick, and she's going to need continuing care for the foreseeable future. Mm-hmm. And so that's something that you can't fight or flee. You can't yes. run away from it. You can't right. conquer it. And so, but you still are telling yourself that I just can't handle this. I don't know what I'm going to do. So what happens then is that stress response stays alive. Mm-hmm. And that stress response now kind of goes below the surface into a less intense but more complex response. So so when you get out of that initial fight or flee and you get into the more ongoing chronic stress response, it now affects a whole bunch of different body systems. I mean, all your endocrine system, your lymph glands get involved, your thyroid gets involved, your adrenal glands get involved, your heart gets involved, your biochemistry changes. And what happens is as a result of all these biochemical and muscular and neurologic changes in your body is you start to wear down. Mm. And that's what's called the resistance level of stress. And we get different signs and symptoms that we're in resistance, that we're starting to wear down. Mm -hmm. Number one, we get tired. And Mm -hmm. no matter how much we sleep, no matter how much we sleep, we never feel rested. Yeah. So, you know, we because what's going on is our body is mobilizing energy, mobilizing energy, and where is it getting it from? It's mm-hmm. getting it from your stored energy. It's getting it from artificially produced hormones and chemicals that are now dumped into circulation. Because right. your body needs to feed that stress response. So no matter how much rest you get, you feel tired. Mm-hmm. You also start to get a little more edgy and bitchy. You start to be a little more sensitive sensitive to things that people say or do, whereas normally maybe those things would roll off your back. Now they start mm-hmm. to just get you annoyed. Mm-hmm. You get a little cranky. You, mm-hmm. you kind of fly off the handle a little more often and for mm-hmm. things that maybe before weren't such a big deal. You're, you know, your kid says something to you or the dog poops on the kitchen floor or whatever, and instead of just taking it in stride, you lash out. And, you know, so you get a little more edgy. Mm -hmm. Uh, You feel a little more tense. You know, you find out at night that you just have that muscle tension and those little aches and pains, and they're not due to exercise or exertion. They're they're due to stress, you know, and you might feel it in your lower back. You might Mm -hmm. feel it in your hip. You might feel it in your shoulder or where I get mine in the base of my neck, where my neck and my shoulders meet. That's yeah. how I know that I'm, um, I'm stressed out about something and I haven't been able to handle it because I get those warning signs from my neck muscles. Mm. So, you know, most of us tend to respond either emotionally, with energy, with tension, and with restlessness. You know, you, you, you can't get to sleep at night. Your mind is just racing. You're trying to figure everything out in your head. And for each question you answer, five more appear <laughs> because you never can figure it all out in your head. you got to let yeah. things play out. So, so those are some of the common symptoms that were in the, in the throes of the resistance ongoing stress response. Mm. I feel like you're reading my palm of my hand here. <laughs> You're just like the rest of us. I'm human, you mean. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So you talk about um, 
the psychological flexibility. I know I read that in the book, your yes. your book that I was just reading. The, and the title of that is Live Let... Um, what's the Stress title? Less, Live More. <laughs> Stress Less, Live More. Yes. Great mm-hmm. book. So I encourage people to go get that book. That's awesome. Um, but you mentioned the psychological flexibility. What is that? Mm-hmm. Well, the acceptance and commitment therapy, which is a type of uh, Western psychology that, that I've been trained in and I've written about, is uh, based on the notion that, you know, we're not crazy, we're just uh, stuck. And, mm-hmm. and we get stuck psychologically. You know, the average person is, is, doesn't need, is not, doesn't have a clinically diagnosed mental disorder. They're just a little anxious, a little stressed, a little depressed. And what acceptance and commitment therapy says, if we don't have a true diagnosed disorder like depression, you know, post-traumatic stress disorder, something like that, if we mm-hmm. just are an average person who's kind of messed up a little bit, yep. they would say we're stuck. And, mm-hmm. and we, get, we get psychologically stuck because we're inflexible. And our minds are inflexible. They, it's, it's like a horse with blinders on. If you've ever been to, you know, Central Park and taken the horse and buggy ride or any of the big cities and you've been out on that horse, it usually has blinders on. And the blinders prevent the horse's vision and, and mind from straying. And they keep it focused on everything that's right in front of them. So a lot of us live our lives with blinders on that keep us from being able to see the big picture or think outside of the box. And acceptance and commitment therapy, uh, people would say, that represents being psychologically stuck. And what we mm-hmm. need to do is we need to take the blinders off. Mm-hmm. Because when our minds are looking at potential stressors and they're saying, oh, my God, this is threatening and I can never cope, often they're saying that because they have the blinders on. That if perhaps we were a little bit more clear about where is this threat coming from and a little more accurate about is that really that big of a deal and a little bit more accurate about when I say I can't handle this, is that really true or can I really handle it? I'm just not allowing myself to handle it. So so when we start to become a little more flexible, and I'm not talking about, you know, uh, mind shrinking or, you know, getting into your head and trying to figure out why you're so screwed up. I mean, we're all screwed up. <laughs> no one knows exactly why. What I'm trying to, to say is becoming unstuck is not figuring out, you know, where this all came from and why we have right. such a, you know, it, it's all right. Yeah. Where is the threat here? Let, let's start to become clear about where is the threat. Let's start to become clear about on a scale of 1 to 10, give me an accurate number. How threatening is this? Let's become clearer and more flexible about uh, how can I cope? What are my options to cope? And let's become clear about on a scale of 1 to 10, how viable are my coping skills? And a big part of managing and conquering stress is having what I call your own personal toolbox of coping skills. Mm-hmm. So remember, the second, second half of the question that triggers that stress response is, can I cope? Yeah. So if I am very limited in terms of my coping abilities, then I'm going to say more often than not, no, I can't cope. Mm-hmm. However... If I feel that I've got a lot of different ways to cope with problems ranging from my mother's need to be in a nursing home all the way down to how do I deal with this boss who wants me to lie about my travel voucher, the Mm -hmm. more 
options I have, the more coping skills I have, the more flexible I am. And therefore, the more likely I'm, I'm able to say, you know what, I can handle that. Maybe it's a two on, on, on the coping ability and not, not a 10. Maybe the threat is a two and not a 10. So the more flexible we can become psychologically, the more it opens up our options to be able to cope. And one of the tools that acceptance and commitment therapy uses to make people more flexible is to helping them clarify their values. That mm. people become psychologically yep. stuck often because they feel threatened, but they don't know where the threat's coming from. Yes. And often, often if they said, you know what, I know why I'm feeling threatened. The threat is coming from this values conflict. Now, rather than go back and try and untangle, you know, the history of this, let me just accept that, you know, I'm, I'm stuck right now and I'm threatened because my values are in conflict. So yeah. what are my options for dealing with this conflict? And that's exactly how I worked through the whole thing with the travel voucher. I clearly right. identified that the reason I was stressed because I was being put in a situation where my values came into conflict. I didn't question yeah. my values. I didn't do anything about dealing with my values. Those are my values. Mm -hmm. What I had to realize was, let me look at my options to cope with this. And if I can mm -hmm. figure out a way to cope and still keep this job, which I also valued, and, you know, and, and the money that that job provided right. me and the stability right. and security of that job, if I can figure out a way to cope with that, then uh, I, it won't be a threat. So fortunately, you know, my my blinders were lifted and I could look at a couple of different options mm -hmm. and solve the problem. And you can apply that model to anything. So psychological flexibility, and there's six different techniques that ACT uses to build psychological flexibility. Values clarification is just one. Now, I, I can't get into all of the six right. on our talk yep. show. But yep. I do cover them in that book, Stress Less, Live More. I talk about psychological flexibility. Yeah. Yeah, I, I love that you were. You started with what you already knew. You knew your limit, what your values were, and then you worked it out. I love that. That, that, mm -hmm. that makes it so logical to me. But at the time... Yeah, well, I didn't choose of being logical. That's, you know, yeah. People say that I'm logical to a fault, and I don't apologize for that. Oh, no. Oh, I love it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. It's seen, if, you know, if you've got a, um, I like to have a plan. <laughs> and no, when I don't have a plan, good. then I'm all messed up. So anyway, that was great. And it really uh, simplified our ability to handle our stress. So when we come back, we'll talk more about stress. Okay. Speaker and author Joyce Buford returns after this short break. Close your eyes and imagine living your life without limits. Where would you go? Who would you meet? What would you do? During an Uncover Your Hidden Genius session, you will discover what's keeping you from living your life with purpose, passion, and fulfillment of your potential. You'll get a clear vision of the steps you need to take to uncover your hidden genius so that you can live a life without limits. Sessions can be done over the phone, Skype, or in person. Find out more at www.JoyceBufordEmpowers.com or by calling 
years ago, some fishermen off the coast of Italy discovered some pottery along with fish in their nets. Divers were called out and discovered an ancient Roman ship whose galley, or caboose, a nautical term for kitchen, was extremely intact. Some of the food uncovered on board was pickled fish, wine, oil, and grain used to make the ship's biscuits, otherwise known as dandy funks. It is thought that 2,000-year-old boat was probably on its way to Spain when it sunk and was covered by layers of mud, baggy wrinkles and all. Baggy wrinkles are another name for the ship's ropes. The mud protected the ship from wear, explaining why the leftover food on board was still in such good condition. We land lovers may not be familiar with leftovers on the sea, but we are familiar with leftovers in our kitchen. It's marching I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words you never heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. Welcome back to this segment of Second Wind. Joyce Buford, the creator of Uncover Your Hidden Genius, continues in this segment to share insight that will help you live a life of greater purpose, fulfillment, and ease. Now here's our host, author and coach, Joyce Buford. We have had an uh, uh, 45 minutes of value-packed conversation here with Dr. Rich on stress. Um, he has shared with us his 30 years of knowledge, <laughs> and uh, it, that's quite difficult in 45 minutes. <laughs> Indeed. <laughs> Dr. Rich, I want to tell you that. So I really... Uh, stress to you all that you might uh, be interested in going to know more about his work because you can see how beneficial it is and how needed it is. And you can go to www.drrichblana, uh, let me spell that out, D-R-R-I-C-H-B-L-O-N-N-A.com slash introduction opt-in slash and that's i-n-t-r-o-d-u-c t-i-o-n option o-p-t-i-n slash there you will get be able to opt into his site and get a um information about stress handling stress you want to talk a little bit more is the what is the option that they'll get there, Dr. Rich? Okay, real quickly, uh, I actually have discounted my introductory course. And it really talks about stress and coping and, and introduces what I call are the five R's of coping, which is my coping model. Yeah. So I normally sell that course at for $197, and I'm discounting it for people on your show to $7. So oh. that's $190 sa- uh, savings. <laughs> And, and yeah. pretty much, it's four video uh, sessions. Uh, each are about 20 minutes in length, and I also made them into four audio training sessions about 20 minutes in length. And then you'll oh, get a, 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 course, a course manual and a set of exercises. So it's really an introduction to the way I, I deal with helping people conquer their stress. And you know, for $7, it's, it's a good yeah. overview oh. of the work <laughs> and to... You know, to see, and, and it's the it's called opt in introduction opt in. So, uh, if any of the viewers are interested, you know, I'm sure they can either get back to to you, or yes. they could reach me at email at drrich at drrichblana.com. That's my email, and uh, I'll be be glad to give them a link or any more information about that. 
Yeah. Oh, this is valued information that you really need, and it's such a great offer price. So um, get your pen and pencil, write that down, or you can go to... Um, it will be on the bay. It will be posted in the second wind um, information as well on the show. So, but moving forward, there's one other topic that we'd like to talk about, and that's time management. How do value-based goals, such as we take our values and we move them into goals for our lives, and then how does that relate to our time management? I mean, okay. that's taking it deeper and deeper and deeper. All right. Well, we, we get stressed often because of, of mismanaging our time. And, you know, one of the things that I do when I work with people is I have them keep two journals. One is what I call a stressor journal where they look at their potential stressors and what their mind tells them about it. And then the other journal is a time journal where I ask them to, to break every day down into 20 into 30 minute segments so they have this chart of 30 minute segments and i ask them for a month to just keep track of how they spend their time and what they see is when they when they visually look at it on paper they say holy smokes i didn't realize i spent so much time doing this or so much time doing that or so little time doing this and one of the things you have to remember is sometimes it isn't what we do that causes us stress it's how much we take on. And I call those demands uh, and, and how many demands we take on because anything that we do demands our time and our energy. Mm-hmm. And it could be something fun. It could be going to a party or it could be some work. You know, we have to go in and put our eight hours in in the office or, you know, take the kid to soccer practice. So yes. I have people look at how do you actually spend your time. Mm-hmm. And what I find is that we each have a threshold for how many demands we can handle in a given day. And those thresholds differ. I always play a game with my students and my my coaching clients. I say, I go to my book, go to page 800, and look up your level of demand, what you can handle before it becomes stressful based Uh on your age, your height, and your weight, and your gender. So they go to the book and they look it up and they they are frantic because they say, there's no page 895. And I say, no, really? And, and then I laugh and I say, well, of course there's no page. There's no chart for that. You, you can't tell. I, you know, I can't tell you how many demands you can take on, what's a good fit for your personality. I can yeah. tell you for me as a 65-year-old married white heterosexual man with two adult children who's semi-retired, I can tell you how many demands I can take on. Right. But, you know, if you're a 40-year-old you know, married or single or recently divorced woman working a full-time job, caring for her two adult children or in high school and, you know, helping her mom transition into the nursing home, mm-hmm. I can't tell you how many things beyond that you mm-hmm. can take on in a given day before you feel completely overwhelmed and overloaded. Right. So here's, here's the best way to handle that. Mm-hmm. You start with your values mm-hmm. and you set some goals. And you set goals for today you say, what do I need to do today? I absolutely positively must do today or I'm going to be threatened and overwhelmed. And that's right. where you start. So that gets yep. on your A list. All the things you absolutely must do today or suffer stressful consequences. Anything else that you do before those things, you're mismanaging your time. Because mm-hmm. until you get rid of that A list, those values-based goals for today Mm. they're still going to be hanging over your head. So if you don't do them and it's 12 o'clock midnight and you still have them on your plate, 
you're going to be stressed tomorrow, I guarantee it, because right. those were A-list things. Mm -hmm. So I, I kind of coach people to start with your values, base goals. What are they for today? What are they for this week? What are they for this month? What are they for this year? And I encourage everybody to have a five-year plan. And what are they, how do they fit into your five-year plan? So let's say you have a long-term values-based goal of buying your first condo. And mm -hmm. you know you need $25,000 down for a down payment. And you say, all right, every year for the next five years, I'm going to save $5,000. Well, that automatically should drive your behavior today, this week, and this month regarding your spending. After you finish paying your bills and you look at how much money you have left, before you spend that on fun things, on play things, you better put enough in to that house condo savings account or you're not going to meet that values-based goal of saving for your condo. So I kind of start with a five-year goal, and then I work backwards. What do I need to do this year, this month, this week, today, in order to reach those goals? And I, mean, I was blessed, Joyce. For 28 years, I was able to be a college professor, and my life revolved around two discrete chunks of time, fall semester, spring semester, actually three, <laughs> summer semester. And I would always look at what do I want to accomplish by the end of the semester? And then I would work right. backwards. And for 16 weeks, I would plan a curriculum and I would plan two times a week in the classroom what my goals were. So, you know, I, I was... I, I, I can't say I was totally lucky because I chose that life because I liked that kind of structure. And yes. one of the things I've loved about being a college professor is once I got in and I closed my door, it was showtime. I knew <laughs> what I was going to do. And then when I was done, I was done. So oh, I kind of you know, managed to, to create that kind of structure and then a similar structure for my personal life. And you know, here I am. I've lived my my dream. I'm, I'm yeah. you know living on Marco Island, retired at uh -huh. 65, and just enjoying the hell out of it. <laughs> I love hearing that. That's <laughs> what we all are working toward. That Marco Island experience, whatever that is for us. You exactly. mentioned something that I wanted to uh, ask. And is it true that as the body ages and we get older? Um, is our stress level, um, do we stress easier? Um, you know, there is this belief that, oh, I'm older, so I, I no, can't do as much. definitely not. What changes is our threshold. And, and it's funny. I mean, I'm 65 years old. I run three miles three times a week. I bike and I lift weights three times a week. Yesterday morning, I got up at 5 o'clock. I kayaked nine miles, and then I went and played tennis for an hour in the 90-degree heat with my wife at 12 o'clock. <laughs> So I'm very fit, and mm -hmm. therefore my my need for sleep is different than another 65-year-old. My body weight and my body composition is what it was in my senior year in high school. So, mm -hmm. I, I mean, to me as a health educator, remember, I have a doctorate in health education, and I'm a certified health education specialist. My right. core defense against stress, I teach my clients and students, is build high-level health. If you have mm -hmm. high-level health and wellness, you're going to have more energy. You're going to need less sleep. You're going to have more coping resources. So it isn't necessarily chronological age to me. Mm. It's physiological health age. So okay. if you're not fit and yes. you're not healthy and, and you're, you're carrying around 50 extra pounds and right. your lungs are working at half capacity because you smoke and you don't exercise, mm -hmm. you're in a whole different perspective. So 
I think that the, it's, it's how many demands can you handle in a given day based on the reality of your body, your health. And depending on where that is, you might be able to handle a lot more than someone else who's less healthy, less fit. Right. But you know what, even given that, two different 65-year-olds who have the same level of health have different psychological needs. I mean, right now, I, I just well, don't I, want to, you know, I don't want I'm, to be involved in as many things as I was when I was 35. Right. Well, Dr. Rich, the hour has come to the end, and oh. we could keep talking for two or three more shows, I know for sure, because your information <laughs> is just yummy for me, and hopefully for my guests, that you know that we we all are faced with these decisions we want to live the marco island dream and we all can if we just simply do a few of the beginning steps that you've shared with us today so thank you so much for being here you've added great value to our lives okay thanks for having me yes thank you so as we go forward this week you have some things that you can do. Sit down and make a list of your values. What do you believe in? And what do you want? You already have them inside of you. It's just a matter of writing them down on a piece of paper and getting comfortable with them. So then you can begin your voyage, your journey, knowing exactly who you are. Stay true to them and live a less stressful life. Thank you for being with us today. We hope that you have found value, that you will go and get the opt-in that Dr. Rich has offered us. It is indeed a gift. So we'll see you next week. Glad you were here. Joyce Buford returns next week at this same time for another edition of Second Wind. Through the Joyce Buford Empowerment System, women are receiving support during their transition and are able to reclaim their true purpose and strength. They receive the tools they need to map out new lives. You can find out more about her coaching services at 